You are listening to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, episode 16, interview with Brandon Mokas. Welcome to Behind the Pulpit Podcast from sunny San Diego, California. This is Tim Lucas. And as always with me from down in Texas is our in-house evangelist extraordinaire, Nigel Ali. How are you doing, Nigel? Hey, man, I'm doing great. How are you all doing? I'm doing pretty good. And from Oregon, our research expert, Mr. Research himself, Ryan Goff. What's going on up there in Portland, Ryan? Oh, sorry. All my books, they just get in the way. It's going great. Thanks for asking. (laughs) All right. We're just three... We're just three regular guys who are passionate about growing young ministers, and that's what this show is about, both young people growing into ministers and young ministers growing in their ministry. Now, today we have an extra special treat. We have with us a young full-time evangelist that is seeing incredible miracles in his ministry and many filled with the Holy Ghost. He was recently out here in San Diego with us, and as soon as he got up to preach, I realized we had to have him on the show. The most noticeable thing to me, the thing that stood out the most, was that it was very obvious, and I mean this completely positively, that he spent more time praying for the sermon than he did in sermon prep, quote unquote. That's not to say the sermon was not good, but it was very obvious that he was more interested in following the Spirit than following his notes or trying to sound wise. Brother Mocus, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you guys. Now, that last thing I said about him spending more time in prayer than sermon prep is interesting because we've actually referenced that thing on this uh, show before, and he's a live embodiment, in my opinion, of what Paul said when he said, I didn't come to you in wise words. I came to you in the power or the demonstration of the power of of the gospel, of the Spirit. Well, I I consider that an amazing compliment. Thank you for saying that and for noticing i hope that doesn't mean that it seemed uh roughshod on the uh, no not at all Uh, not at all that that is something i very much strive to do i never want to get up and quote unquote perform or 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 put on a show or entertain or give i don't want to be guilty of being glued to uh you know the ipad or glued to to the notes i want to connect with a freshness to the audience so I really seek to try to hone that in and and uh, have a anointing and sincerity with what goes on, and then see God do some awesome stuff after the preaching. That's awesome. You know, they say fruit only grows at the end of a limb. So uh, another another phrase is a uh, turtle never gets anywhere until he sticks his neck out. It's true. So you kind of gotta step out there, not be stuck in formality, but just not be afraid to do something radical, do something crazy, mm-hmm. and watch God meet you. Uh, another old saying says, um, uh, God's not afraid to be put on the spot as long as you're willing to step out on the spot with him. And right. so right. he never fails or lets you down when you're willing to, to step out there. Yeah. Now you went to uh, IBC, right? I did. Yes. Four years. Yes, sir. And I'm sure while you were there, you took some preaching classes, but I'm guessing they didn't teach you that part, that side of leaving the sermon prep aside. I'm sure they talked about it. But I guess my well, question is, how did you develop that being sensitive to the Spirit and being okay with not having as polished a sermon as I'm sure um, you could have if you had focused on that? Well, they did teach classes, and uh, we had Brother O.C. Marler for most of the preaching classes. And, uh, of course, preparation's a good thing. I'm not anti-preparation, 
but I always want to leave room for a freshness in the delivery to really make sure it's connecting. If I can get if I can get the gist of a thought in my heart and then convey it out of my heart to the people, to me, I found that that's superior to just reading it off a page to the people. Amen. I agree. Um, uh, but uh, in fact, Brother Marler, of course, uh, you know, a great elder among us, and he uh, kind of from an old school, he, he kind of told us, don't be up there just reading your sermons. And, and, right. and I think there's a time for it. I, I don't. And, and it works well for some folks. And I have done it to an extent, um, uh, you know, snippets, especially here and there. But uh, but, um, you know, and he told us, he said, none of you guys are going to be as good at uh, Anthony and Vesta Mangan. None of you guys are going to be as good as reading as those guys. You know, right. he said, so you're going to have to preach, you know, yeah. uh, they don't. They're some of the best among us. But uh, but uh, he was just encouraging us to to not try to emulate them, but to, to be ourselves and have a freshness there. Uh, maybe, maybe give us a little bit about your calling to the ministry and uh, how you have ended up where you are at right now. And there's a lot of young people uh, that want to follow the trail into ministry. And uh, some of the things maybe you've done, some of the, some of the things that has happened in your life to help you to come where you are at right now. Yeah, I, I just basically um, I was getting ready for my senior year of high school and just just really it all kind of crashed in on me. This uh, awareness of how desperately I needed God. I didn't have the Holy Ghost yet and uh, just began to seek God uh, with just a reckless abandon, just an intense hunger. And he filled me with the Holy Ghost that fall after a summer of just really seeking him. And uh, and it just. I had reached just such a place of hunger, which I'm thankful for that God, uh, someone said, you know, God can turn up the hunger level in your life. And I'm very thankful that he did. And of course, Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall Amen. be filled. Just one of my favorite verses. And that hunger, I believe, propelled me to a place where I really just didn't care about. So just when you just lit, if heaven is real and hell is real there's not much on this earth that, that we could do well there's nothing we could do with our time or or our efforts that would be more seeking his kingdom and seeking to reach the lost and do his work and preach the gospel so he had filled me with the holy ghost i just said god i'll do anything you want even if it's preach whatever i just want to do whatever you want you know and and uh, my dad wasn't a preacher he's a he's actually a teacher good man goes to Brother Mooney's church. And um, but my grandpa was not a preacher. Um, in fact, he was an atheist, uh, mm. a devout atheist all my life. I, wow. I, I'm very thankful to announce that a few months ago, he did get baptized in Jesus. Name. Praise so, God. Amen. 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 At, the, wow. at the right That's age of awesome. 90 years old. Never too late. Wow. <laughs> Never too late, man. So I just pursued God. Unfortunately, I lived there in Indianapolis. And that my home church was the host church of Indiana Bible College. So I was like, well, what should I do? And each year I'd pray about it. What should I do? And ended up going four full years and very thankful that I spent that time. And I would just absolutely, I'd encourage anyone to go. I don't think everyone has to go to Bible school by any means, but if someone has a desire to go, I'd never discourage them. Uh, there's just so much that can be learned. And, and uh, but on the job training is so valuable too. 
Um, just get out there. It's not enough to just sit in the classes. You got to go out there and try to do something. Right. And God can't steer a parked car. So get trying stuff, try outreach, whatever it is, Bible studies, altar work. And that's kind of, uh, it really clicked for me in jail ministry. The mm. first time I ever preached and someone got the Holy Ghost was in a, in the Indianapolis Marion County jail. Wow. And it was just wow. the most, it, just enlivening uh, feeling and just the knowledge that, wow, you know, even I can preach this and God can show up and fill people with the Holy Ghost. And it, yeah. just, it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just like it opened a new avenue in my, in my life, in my mind, you know, to see God, see God do that. And it's just exciting to be a part of the work of the Lord. Praise God. That's awesome, man. Great testimony. Thank you for sharing it. When you were talking about how you're being okay with leaving the notes and, and just feeling after the spirit, how long would you say it took you to get comfortable with that? Uh, as far as being comfortable enough with your, with the, the moving of the spirit, with your, your message and, and where it was going to when you could do that, when you could just f- flow like that. Was this before you became an evangelist or did this kind of develop once you began evangelizing? Well, um, it, I'm sure it evolved over time. Um, I remember, you know, pretty shortly after I got the Holy Ghost, I started preaching uh, our church, our home church, their uh, Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis, did a lot of nursing home outreach and jail ministry and that type of thing. And so I went to the nursing home every single week and, and preached. And I remember a dear old lady, <laughs> she had been a she had been an apostolic and was there in the nursing home. And she came up to me and she I didn't know how to take this. She just came up to me and she goes, you'll get better. <laughs> and, uh, and, and to be honest, awake. I actually, yeah, well, some, some of them did, but, but uh, I actually took it as a positive thing at the time because I needed to hear that. I knew it wasn't, right. you know, I knew it just wasn't that great. And, but I, you know, Paul said my confidence is, is not in the, um, Excellence of words. Thank you. Excellency of speech or something like yeah. that. And uh, it's in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. So yes. so uh, if I don't have all my uh, main points start with the same letter or, you know, not, not right. taking that uh, alliteration, it's beautiful. But if I don't have and I try to weave every make it the best it can. But at the end of the day, I guess I want to connect. Uh, I, I want to reach those souls. I want God to be God, have his way and have liberty. And if someone's there in that place that wants the Holy Ghost, man, I want them to get it. I'd rather cut my arm off than to see somebody walk out of there without the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I, wanna, I right. want God to demonstrate. I want God to, to operate. I want to see people healed. You know, we preach about healing we need to see it happen. And, and uh, we, you know, I know we serve a powerful God. To answer your question, how long? I don't know. I guess it's still a process. One, the beautiful <laughs> thing is we're all yeah, we're all still growing right. and still uh, evolving. It's just uh, a very encouraging thing for me, you know. Yeah, I recently was sitting down with uh, um, a minister, and we were talking, and he said, you know, I realized, you know, I tell a story— about Moses standing before the Red Sea and how he parted the Red Sea. And I have zero expectation that I will ever see water part. 
Hmm. And he said, what I realized is a lot of our preachers, when they preach about healing, it's the exact same expectation. Oh, man. Oh, he said, that's wow. why they don't see healing. <laughs> that's, and, yeah. It's, you know, it's true. Makes sense. Well, another thing, if I could um, interject this, uh, some of us become so good at looking professional, praying these these just and dear God, and therefore, and you know, it, we we just put it out. We make it so polished the prayer, but that's not where the power is necessarily. Right. It's the operation of the gift, which has right. nothing to do with our eloquence. Right. So right. if we can get in the trusting Him and just flowing in the Spirit and being bold and letting His gifts operate, letting Him do what He wants to do. It's not how loud we pray, right. not how Pentecostal we sound when we pray. If you've got the authority and the anointing. The gift operating, you could just about whisper or snap yeah. your fingers or whatever, and it will be done because right. it's it's God flowing through you, Amen. And not the carnal mind. Uh, my gospel came not into you uh, with uh, word only, but power and demonstration right. of the Holy Ghost. Paul said. Right. So yeah, yeah. I've I've always said the reason so many of us put so much emphasis on eloquence of speech is because we know we don't have the power in the demonstration. And so we have to cover it up. And so if, as we've discussed, if you put more effort, and we all know how to get it, the power and demonstration is not hard, not complicated to get. It's not easy. Right. Yeah. You just pray. You right. pray until yep. yeah. you get it. That's and it. Something you know, happens. Have to, yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. Amen. It's not a 15-minute prayer, you know. And right. every time I preach and I, I see people that I know should have been affected and I don't see the power, there's some there but not enough. I'm like, man, why didn't I pray more? Of course, you always are going to think that. But that's the answer. It's not complicated. It. You know, for a 16-year-old or 36-year-old, that's young true. or old doesn't matter. If you pray, you're going to have the demonstration. Now, most of us, you know, when we preach, at first, not much happens. How did you kind of enter into that part of the ministry where you're seeing the supernatural was was it kind of was there something that kind of kick-started you or was it just that you started seeing things and you just went with it or how did that kind of happen well i i had a habit of praying every day you know i think um if i could just throw this in here real quick um you can throw in anything you before want before i answer it uh, <laughs> all right uh I'll throw the kitchen sink um no um let's see Oh, three things. You want to be used in gifts. I, I'd tell anybody this is, is time with God, your, your, your relationship with God, number one. Right. Just spend time with God, soaking in his presence. You start to learn his impressions, his his moving of the spirit. His You're going to you're going to get close to him. You're going to know his voice right. and spend time with him. And it's going to really catapult you into uh, him being able to flow through you and you flow in him, um, time in his presence. Um, then number two, um, get around it whenever you can get around those who are operating in mm-hmm. that dimension. Uh, we become like someone said, we become like any ministry we sit under. If you notice, mm-hmm. you'll start to kind of preach or teach like those yeah. who you listen to. You, you don't even have to want to, you just kind of, it just happens. You absorb, uh, you kind of, take on certain certain uh, characteristics attributes so you sit under an apple tree apples will fall off all around it the seed is in the apples or oranges sit under an orange tree if you want 
word of knowledge, working of miracles, get around where it's happening, where the real accurate thing is going on. And it'll it'll uh, drop in your spirit and accelerate gifts that you already have and, and grow your gifts by being around it. And then uh, number three, and that is simply operate it. Of course, any muscle grows the more you use it. You get to work in it. Some people want a gift to say they have it and set it on a shelf. But any any gift, whether it's teaching home Bible studies, you know, we're going to get better the more we do it or or altar work. Uh, after you pray that first person through to the Holy, your faith's going to be stronger and through. Yeah. And the next person, the next person, it just and pretty soon it gets to where there's no question in your mind that God will fill them with the Holy Ghost. You know, He's yeah. going to do it. Um, right. But I started right. at a young age. Of course, I. It's, so thankful for the foundation I had there at my home church, Calvary Tabernacle, Brother Mooney, and and, and the Bible school. And then also uh, I had gone over to – my dad took me to hear Lee Stone King, and that obviously opened up a new dimension. He he operates just in a different realm, you know, a mm-hmm. new uh, dimension of mm-hmm. faith, and he started preaching about gifts of the Spirit. And so that that uh, piqued my interest to, to pray, you know, the Bible says covet earnestly. The right. best gifts, not just mm-hmm. be a lot of folks gifts. are. Yeah, a lot of folks are. Uh, well, if God wants to, I guess he can. Well, that's not really that's not really the kind of determination that God is looking for. He wants someone right. who has who has a hunger and desire for his glory, obviously. But uh, then I went to Guyana uh, with a man named uh, Felix Crowder, a friend of mine. And I watched people instantly heal their pain instantly going. I was used to seeing the prayer line at church church not to be critical but you know get the get the oil and sometimes we can get a little ceremonious with the oil right. and stuff but there he was there in uh, guyana south america he'd pray for someone or speak to the pain and immediately have them check it out and then they'd say wow it's gone and man my faith just skyrocketed uh, and then he turned to me you know and said all right lay hands on this person rebuke that pain and, okay you know i started doing it and then i came home and kept doing it and just kept on operating in that boldness and expectancy of it to immediately vanish and check it right now. That's yeah. kind of different than, well, Lord, have your will. Right. You know, yeah. it's, it's a boldness yeah. and expectancy. And then, then the Lord connected me a few years later after I'd started evangelizing with another brother. Uh, his name's Freddie Clark. Many of you know Freddie Clark. He is a very close friend of mine uh, now, but I'd never heard of him. I'd actually uh, had never heard him preach, um, but I had heard his name as of about 2003 or so. But I had a dream one night that I met Freddie Clark out of the blue, and I had never seen him and never knew where he was even going to be preaching. But I just out of the blue had this dream of me sitting there talking to him. That day, I was talking to a pastor on the phone and said, Freddie Clark's going to be in this area by Chicago. I found this out the same day I'd had that dream. Huh. without me mentioning it. So I obviously took that as a compliment to get connected there. And, and he's just really, uh, I learned a lot from watching him operate. He doesn't um, strain or yell. He just, just a very calm faith. You know, he could have you laughing one second and, you know, getting a miracle the next. And, 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 and so uh, God connected me with him as well. And, and another thing I would like to say, Billy Cole if you go back, you can see it on YouTube. He preached at a Because of the Times, I believe it was about 1990 or so. And he was talking about we need 
the demonstration mm -hmm. of the power of God. We've got to have the signs, wonders, miracles. We've got to get into it instead of just talking about it. He said, there is a younger generation that has net. He said, we shouldn't expect them to believe in miracles if they've never even seen one. Right. You know, right. challenging, challenging us. And, but he said, you know what's going to hurt us trying to operate in the prophetic and stuff? <clears throat> he said, what's really going to hurt us is people saying, thus saith the Lord, and mm. trying to give a word but it wasn't God. So right, said, right. Don't you say God said something if God didn't say something. Right. And right. so right. we've got to be balanced too. I'd rather have, I'd rather have nothing. I'd rather have nothing operate than to pretend or, right. or try to, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's people that, uh, well, I hate to be critical, but we, we just gotta be, we just got to be, uh, legitimate and accurate Amen. and, and stay Amen. within the parameters of, of our faith zone and our, what, what you can push at it a little bit, you know, but make sure God's the one really directing you. Right. Someone said you need to have a, a fear of the Lord, a fear that you're going to disobey God by not giving the word mm. Mm. instead yeah. of just, Oh, I'm going to try to give a word. It, yeah. You need to feel the weight of it from God. Feel that mm -hmm. it is really, and and you learn His voice. Uh, the Bible says, "The Spirit beareth witness." Uh, so you have a thought in your mind. There's an inner witness from the Holy Ghost. This is Him, you know. Mm -hmm. and, right. and we we learn that we learn to operate. Uh, Hebrews chapter uh, five, the last verse. I believe it's the last verse of chapter five. Says, having their senses exercised by reason of use. Mm -hmm. So the more you use those senses, those gifts, whatever right. it is, it's just going to get sharper and it's just going to grow and develop more. Right. God's no respect for persons and any one of us can do it. Um, yeah. But <laughs> we've got to, uh, we've got to put, and I, I'm not one of these that gets real worried about titles, not to be critical of those who do. Nobody no, has to call me anything ever. Because you look at look at some of the great men among us that we used to have, like Brother Barnes, T.W. Barnes. Right. right. Consider him a prophet. But uh, he never referred no. to himself like that. And, and I remember no. one time he was introduced as a prophet. And the first thing he said when he took the mic was, he said, if I'm a prophet, I don't know it. The Bible says we've got to be uh, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If what is needed at the moment is teaching, we need to teach. If, if it's preaching, we need to preach it. If it's a miracle, we don't need a tons of interpretation if we need a healing, right. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I have rambled for long enough. No, it's true. And and the more you're around the real stuff, the more the fake is obvious and infuriating. Yeah. yeah. And, and that goes even beyond what we would consider the gifts of the Spirit, even in worship. Something that oh, yeah. bugs me more than anything is people getting up, first of all, singing songs about the devil. I think just about half of our episodes, I've made jokes about it, but I'm serious. I hate That's singing about funny. the devil. I don't feel like we need to waste the time, the time mentioning. I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you. It, um, Brother Mocha's, uh I I wanted to ask. You know, he doesn't want me to get started talking about songs I don't like. He knows <laughs> I can talk about it. <laughs> There's you someone that says that's my favorite song, you know. <sighs> oh man, yeah, yeah. We we can have an uh, we can have a whole episode on that. Just <laughs> maybe we, and we, songs we can... <laughs> Tim doesn't like because he doesn't think they're biblical. <laughs> that'd be good. That'd be a good show. 
Yeah. There wouldn't be any more songs to sing. What are you talking oh, about? Yeah. There are plenty of good songs. <laughs> What's the song you do like? Brother? Songs I like. Songs about God or to God typically are songs I like. Okay. Uh, it's not that hard. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I was going to ask Brother Mokos, um, maybe if you don't mind talking about a little bit uh, about accountability and submission. Uh, as an evangelist, you know, who you submitted with and how do you deal with accountability and submission in, in your lives? There's kind of, uh, it's almost like a buzzword nowadays. Who's your, uh, who's your apostle and who's, who are you submitted to? And I really, really believe uh, the Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. And then it's good to have that one, that pastor. And I'm so thankful for my pastor, Brother Matthew Ball, just a prince of a man. And his leadership style is one of uh, not trying to dominate over anybody. You know, of course, there's scriptures, submit yourselves one to another. And first of all, it, a pastor is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Having a pastor uh, is a just tremendous blessing. And people that care about you and counsel with you and pray for you. In fact, I'm so thankful I got to talk with him today. And I always feel like I come down and not, you know, like, pastor, could you pray for this? You know, yeah. but I love it. It's a huge blessing. It's just a tremendous blessing. I try not to bother the man too much, but at least once a week if, I, if I'm able to and he's able to. Um, but the scriptures that come to mind, Mark 10 and 40, Jesus, this is not very often quoted, but I, it was in my head because I used to listen to the audio Bible all the time. Another thing I really, really, really strongly recommend, by the way, is audio Bible. You know, especially if you drive a lot, work a lot, you play that audio Bible. Uh, Mark 10, not 40, but 41. When the ten heard it, they be they began to be much displeased with James and John. They had been fighting over who's going to sit on the left hand and the right hand of Jesus. Then verse 42, Mark 10, 42. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, You know that they which are counted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not what we're necessarily talking about, but kind of there are some that abuse this system yeah gentiles exercise lordship over them and their great ones exercise upon them but so shall it not be among you but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister and then of course the scripture comes to mind in i believe it's first peter five and three i think where he's or three five one of those yeah, First Peter 5 and 3 says, pardon me for not having it fully memorized. <laughs> okay, you know, verse 2, feed the flock of God, which is among you, uh, taking the oversight thereof, uh, not by constraint, but willingly, etc. Uh, verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Uh, Brother Stone King, to quote him again, he said this. He said, uh, you can either control dozens or you can lead thousands. He said, I want to lead thousands. Some people Mm -hmm. go for control. Some people want to control. And the role of a pastor, Brother Bernard was speaking about this. I just name drop here. but uh, He said some just brilliantly insightful things. He was speaking to a group of pastors. Actually, it was a Spanish pastors conference. And I was in attendance there at the World Evangelism Center. And he said, guys, he said, you pastors, you have authority in matters that pertain to scriptures. He said, you don't have 
what he called absolute authority, telling people every little facet of their life, where to work, uh, you know, what color car to buy, who to marry, you know. But he said, you, you have authority. If something's in the scriptures, by all means, you have authority about about that. Uh, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You know, there's a scripture for that. Right. Anything that's in the scriptures, you have direct authority. But he said, you can give, and these other things, he said, you can give them your advice. He said, but they don't have to take your advice. Brother Bernard yeah. speaking, the pastors. Yeah. So I don't know if they liked hearing that or didn't, but the best leaders I have found and the ones who are going to have growing churches that are just multiply are ones that let people, and my pastor gave this analogy. You take a wet bar of soap, for example, if you just let it rest there in your hand, it'll stay there. Yeah. Clamp down on what happens. Flies out of your hand. But I want to say this about this accountability thing. I bet I could uh, or you could, any of us could probably fool most pastor. Mm. We could make them think we're stellar, top notch. Hi, pastor. Oh, hi. Oh, oh, I just want to give you such honor today. Oh, but if when you aren't in front of their face, if you're not living for God, it's about. See, God sees you all the time, right. and none of us can fool right. God. None of us yeah. can fool God. Right. God knows if you spent time with Him, yeah. if you forgive people, if you right. bless people, if you love people, if you are interceding, if you're praying, if you're obeying His leading of His Spirit. So, But that having been said, I'm so grateful for good pastors and so grateful for my pastor. Um, I want to... See if there's any questions. I don't want to leave that open, or, or if that came, if any of that came out wrong. I hope it didn't come out wrong. Mm. No, I don't think. No, so. no, I don't think so. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's some of the scriptures that you brought, that's uh, excellent, and uh, it is so true. Uh, you can be submitted or say that you're submitted to someone, but uh, the ultimate submission is to God, and God knows and sees everything, and yeah, that's awesome. Pastor Hodges frequently says he said it back at. ABI, and then he also has said it here. He says, you don't know if you're submitted until you disagree. You know, it's easy to say, oh, I'm submitted, I submitted, as long as he's telling you what you want him to say. But as soon as it's, no, I don't think you should date that girl, or no, I don't think, you know, you need to skip your your vacation you already paid for and stick back for this event. Maybe he shouldn't take that authority, but that's not your decision to decide if he should take it or not. If you're submitted, you know, now there's a point of abuse, you know, of, of abuse and, and, and you have to protect your family and all that, but that's an extreme situation. Well, so, submitting to a great, to, to a man of God is a, it's a great privilege. It, I mean, it's a protected, it's a safety zone. It's a, right. you know, to have someone to, you know, is able to look out for you and, and give you that, um, uh, that instruction and, and, you know, you'd never take that lightly, no. ever, mm-hmm. under any circumstance. So so the way I'm understanding is that, uh, you know, you made a reference earlier about the multitude of counselors. Uh, that means you're, you're saying it's better to have several men of God surrounding uh, your life as accountability partners um, for for an upcoming minister or someone that is young that wants to be involved in the into ministry, would you say that's safe? Well, the scripture does say in the multitude of counsel there's safety. Um, I think ideally, I think in the ideal situation you'd have that one loving pastor, pastor that's pastor. really really looking out for you. But yeah. uh, there is the fivefold ministry as well. 
and that right. scripture says we see through a glass darkly and and so sometimes yeah. somebody else tidbit of information that helps shed a little light on something see it in a fresh perspective and uh mm-hmm. for me i'm very grateful you know my dad as i mentioned earlier is not a preacher but you know uh he's a praying man a humble guy mm-hmm. uh you know has my best interests at heart and so i'm often calling him you know how do you feel about about this over here he's not that's awesome pastor. Yeah, but I'm just, you know, I've been very blessed with, with that. And so someone else might have somebody in the church that, you know, they're a prayer partner, someone that, but, but yeah, you do want to have, you do want to have a pastor. Uh, if God blesses you with more, by all means, don't refuse it. Yeah. We, we do want to be careful just to clarify. We're talking about people who are, you know, m- licensed ministers here. If you are, you know, a young person in a church, do not go to another local pastor or a visiting minister and say, hey, will you mentor me? That is not appropriate. If you want extra contact with them, you need to get permission from your pastor. Most pastors are going to say, absolutely, go ahead, talk to them. But, uh, you know, uh, and, and it's clear in the UPC manual that any minister should not do that. So if you were to approach them and that minister was to in any way try to have a relationship with you, they're breaking the ministerial ethics. So that's not someone you want to be associated with anyways. Yeah, you definitely want it to be to where everybody involved feels completely comfortable, communications there, and you leave a church and somebody, you know, adds you to Facebook. You know, do you accept their request or not? Well, I'm not going to deny somebody's friend request, but if they get into asking me something you know, particularly controversial or anything, I'm going to, first thing I'm going to say is, you know, your pastor has a lot of wisdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if I feel like their pastor yeah. wants me to be a voice or help them and says, yeah, hey, you know, help them all you can. Well, then that's a green light that if I feel an opening, then I can do that. But mm-hmm. apart from that, I'm not going to, because you don't want to get uh, uh, the wires crossed there. And you know, one thing as an evangelist, I'm going to lift up that local church. I'm going to lift up. Amen. You're helping souls. You, you yeah, get someone right. turned against their pastor. They're, you're yeah. hurting their eternal soul. Uh, you, that's you, true. You're, just, that's you're true. destroying them. And so we got to we got to look out for our new converts. Saints should not be talking against, well, especially the pastor, but even other yeah. saints in the church, because right. that right. new convert, you're going to really. Uh, Yeah. It's interesting, you know, we like to say that God hates the sin, but not the sinner. And and that's not really true. There are people, we think, we say that God doesn't hate people. That's not true either. The Bible's very clear. (laughs) He said, um, well, first of all, I, you know, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated one person. He's, he's himself said he hated. He also says in his list of things he hates, you know, he says things like, I hate lying tongue. Um, Well, it was writer of Proverbs saying it about God, but lying tongue, you know, the feet that are swift to mischief. But then he goes on and says, he, the person that sows discord. Discord. So if you're sowing discord, God doesn't just hate your tongue or your actions. He hates you. That's Bible. And it's not maybe what we like to hear, but you don't want to be that person. Well, you don't want God mad at you. (laughs) I'd tell that young person, do everything you can to lift up people in the church, lift up that pastor, support that pastor. If your pastor teaches you can't wear a blue shirt, don't wear a blue shirt. Amen. (laughs) And and no one in the church needs to know that you don't agree with that. Absolutely. Now, when you go pastor, you don't, you don't have to preach against blue shirts. Right. But you support that. You support what they're doing. You get behind it a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent. And 
that God will honor that, and that pastor will also see that and see that you Amen. have a spirit of, mm-hmm. of uplifting. And we have to, as the body, leaders are not perfect, but no. we have to. We have to have somebody as a leader, right? And we need to get behind them. Absolutely. Yeah, I frequently have, tell the kids here. You know, they ask questions, um, particular. You know, things that the Bible's not clear on, or maybe an interpretation of end time things. They like to ask questions about end times. And I always preface with say, I'm going to give you my opinion, but if pastor teaches different, I'm wrong and he's right. That's it. I do not ever want them to, I don't even like being called youth pastor because to me, there's one pastor and I'm not against whatever. It's not a big deal. But, and I tell them that frequently, you have one pastor. I'm just trying to, you know, be a help. To him that's and wise. That's good. Him. That's very good. Ryan, I know you 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 have questions to ask. Unless I'm waiting really for tired. this. I'm waiting for this uh, conversation just to keep going. I I uh, I'm just kind of curious as far as if you have a family. Are you, are you married? Do you have any kids? Um, Traveling light. <laughs> what was that? I think he he answered your question. That's what he, he did. Said, Traveling light. <laughs> <Yes>. oh, okay. <laughs> I'm traveling light. Okay, that's great. And we can edit that out if that was uh, inappropriate. Oh, no. I, as far as, I feel like a lot of young people uh, sometimes miss out on ministry opportunities because all they want to do is pursue a relationship rather than pursuing the ministry first and then letting the letting the relationship aspect of uh, whether you're going to get married or um, something like that develop later. And I was just wondering if you, um, did you ever have to make that sacrifice or choice saying, you know what, I'm giving it all right now. And, uh, everything that I have is going to the Lord. I'm going to evangelize and the relationship stuff, relationship stuff that can come later. Um, you know, I, I kind of joke a little bit sometimes, but it's, it's true. A lot of times, uh, you know, there's single people that are saying, I could do work for God if I just had if I just had a husband or a wife, like then I could really do work for God. And then of course there's the married people. <laughs> Man, if I, true. Just, if I just didn't have if I just didn't have them, <laughs> I could just do so much for God if I didn't have them. So what we have to do is wherever wherever we find ourselves in life or wherever um do the best we can and, and Amen. put God first and, and yeah. work for God and uh, yeah, not make excuses, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My dad always said, um, Adam and Eve couldn't live for God in the garden with no sin nature. And the three Hebrew children were able to live for God in the most vile society ever. And so I think environment is, or circumstances, not an excuse. Wow. That's good. Yeah. You know, you know Peter was married and he did find ministering. Paul wasn't married and he did pretty good too. So, you know, whatever your life circumstance is, you just, you give everything to God and, you know, there might be some handicaps based on previous choices. I don't think a, a, you know, mate or not mate would be a handicap, but maybe there's other bad choices you've made and and you have a handicap. You just do what you can and that's all you can do. You can do it as much as you can be single and married as well, man. That's, that's awesome. When did you decide to go full-time evangelizing? Well, um, I went to IBC for four years, and then as soon as I was done, I just started hitting the road and doing whatever I could and just really uh, pursued it full-time 
sometimes the first year out, you know, your schedule's not full yet, but you just, it'll grow over time and, and, and pretty soon, you know, you can't do it all, you know, but uh, mm. I, I pretty much set out full time uh, right out of Bible school. And, and Brother Marcus, how, how, how long have you been evangelizing? I finished IBC in 01, so about 15 okay. years now. Wow. wow. A lot of miles under the bridge. A lot of miles. Yeah, I just uh, stepped out about a year ago with my, my wife and I. We stepped out and have started evangelizing. So oh, this is our awesome. first, Are you first year. Are you did he say? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's a good place to do it because there's a lot of churches in Texas. It, uh, I love preaching a, in Texas. Well, we, we got we to gotta touch base whenever you are in Texas. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be in Texas in November. Um, oh, really? Okay. Preaching for Brother Blackman in Deer Park outside of Houston. Houston. Okay. And Nigel's That's in about, uh, North Texas. Yeah, North so Texas. They're rival but... districts now. I got. <laughs> no, it's not rival. There's no rivalry there. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kidding. It's just five hours away, or six hours away. No, there kidding. you go. Yeah. Yeah, there's this. There's a lot of churches in in uh, Texas. Just in our section, there's about a hundred churches, and that is uh, just the North Texas district. And then there's Texas district. I can spend a lot of time in Texas. Yeah, I I have been actually spending a lot of time in Texas. Brother Mokas, now you've been you know part of evangelism one or evangelizing one of the. I guess benefits is you get a pretty wide picture of our movement. Um, you know, sometimes people like to be critical and they focus on this negative aspect or, or that. And then um, those of us that are in one local um, place, maybe our view negative or positive is a little more colored by our local um you know, church and then the section. What are some of the observations you've made as far as, you know, what you've seen in our movement? Our movement, what I've seen is chock full of just some of the greatest human beings imaginable. Uh, just some of the most sincere people. Last weekend, this past weekend, I was up in uh, British Columbia, Brother Clethro, um, him and his wife, they're, they're younger and uh, been pastoring for uh, not not a long time, but you see this zeal, this hunger to reach souls, and and it's across our movement, just a love, just the people of God are so full of passion and dignity and, and anointing and just, just the greatest people on the planet. It's just been a privilege and honor to meet them all not telling you what to do <laughs> like for if somebody's just starting out or they're young angels, just love the people, love, love them, love the pastor, get behind what they're doing and help them. And, uh, but I just see a lot of just really sincere, good people that are trying to do a work for God, doing the best they can. God's doing miracles one life at a time. Our movement's filled with amazing people and, and the presence of God. And it's great. That sounds. I know it sounds so positive. I don't know what I, if I'm supposed to say something negative. I don't no, know. No, 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 no. It's, it's just so true. It's just yeah. overwhelming. Oh, thanks for sending me a friend request, uh, Brother Goff. I just saw a notification on here. 
You're supposed to be paying attention to the conversation, right? I know, I know, but I, I was so excited. I, I offer people a dollar to be my friend. No, I'm kidding. Um, now, you're uh, 15 years removed from Bible school, you said, and I. one of the unfortunate things about Bible school is that not all of those you graduate with stick it out, even in church, much less ministry. Is there anything, I know this is kind of a hard question uh, on the spot, but is there anything looking back you kind of can see maybe that those who did stick it out had in common and those who have fallen by the wayside maybe had in common that someone getting ready to go to Bible school could use that as a way to make sure that they are firmly grounded? I think uh, just a real desire to work for God, a prayer life, those things are going to get you through, you know. Uh, a consistent prayer life, a desire to do something, um, um, a love for truth. I think a very much a, a love for truth is, is going to always, you got to fall in love with it, not just the yeah. popularity, right. uh, uh, but, but just a real love for the word of God and for truth. That's going to keep you in there and um, not trying to just be, cutting edge popular and cutting edge with everything, but, but being just in love with truth. Yeah. That might've been a question that's tough to answer off the cuff. Maybe one that would be a little bit. Sorry if I failed on answering. No, 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 no. That was, those are good answers. But, um, I kind of, I, I didn't mean to throw a fastball inside. <laughs> um, may, maybe a, a question that you, I, because you don't, there's no way we can know why certain people fall and certain people don't, but, but and maybe you can't. And it's amazing. I look back and both in my class, and I actually went to two different Bible schools, seven years. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. The first three I went to not ABI. And just I made some some of the mistakes of not maintaining my walk with the Lord and then being around people who were not positive influences. Thankfully, I didn't backslide. Definitely headed that direction. But God saved me and sent me to ABI, I always Did say. you say you went to ABI first? Is that what you said? I, no, I went somewhere else first. Um, I actually went to Gateway first. Oh, okay. And okay. almost backslid. Um, <laughs> not not that close, but definitely headed just, that just admit, Just admit that you did backslide and God <laughs> extended grace. <laughs> oh, I, I am a testament to grace. There but, you go. Um, there you go. <laughs> I, I always say I got saved and went to ABI. But, um, <laughs> Nigel, you made me forget where I was going. Oh, <laughs> and at both schools, the people who didn't stick it out shock me. And the people who did, some of them shock me. And sure, I, I was like, I don't think they're going to still be in church six months from now much less now, you know, in, in the case of Gateway, much longer than that. But what, Brandon, what um, are some of the things that maybe you feel looking back made you successful in Bible school and got the most out of it? Or maybe things you wish you had done that you could have got more out of it? First of all, I agree with you that you you really almost can't predict who's going to be this or that, ones that seem right. like they're, they're a shoe-in for successful whatever. You know, it doesn't mean they will and, and, and vice versa. One thing that uh, uh, to learn, a passion to get involved, um, have a personal prayer life. I think your personal prayer life is good. Oh, one thing I wish I had done, one thing I really wish I had done 
IBC is known for their music program. Mm -hmm. And I really, really wish I had done, I, I did all theology, which I loved, right. but I wish I had worked a lot more music stuff in there because my, my music side of me didn't kind of uh, branch out until uh, a few years later. And mm -hmm. then I, I look back and really wish I had taken that opportunity to get musical. It was at IBC seemed like, uh, there's just so many musicians that I thought, well, there's no point. Well, then you get out there on the road, especially a lot of home missions churches. There's a big need for music. Yeah. So I wish I had spent more time, it, well, any time, uh, <laughs> learning music at, mm -hmm. at IBC and taking advantage of that opportunity. Brother Mokus, how do you keep your balance? How do you how do you keep uh, ministry and uh, personal life balance? What do you do for a hobby or just relaxation? Or uh, everywhere I go, I try to when there's time, take advantage of that. If there's hiking or or uh, you know, uh, I'm going to the Yukon next month. Going to go up in the mountains. Uh, I like to go pray in the mountains. That type of thing. Uh, I like to scuba dive. I was down in Florida last week. I to do a little, a little scuba diving awesome. down there. When you can work in fun stuff like that, always do that. Like in uh, this last January, it was a privilege to preach there in, in the Minnesota, uh, in the Minneapolis area. So I thought, well, you know what? What am I going to do in this freezing cold? I'm going to take up snowboarding. So I went, did a little... Uh, Took a little extra time, did some snowboarding and stuff like Thought that. Thought you were going to say so, ice fishing. That was <laughs> Only crazy people do that. Yeah. It's actually a lot of fun. So, yeah. Uh, it, but but uh, to be balanced, you know, plenty of rest, plenty of prayer, uh, time with mm -hmm. people, time in groups, also time alone, time, you know, clearing your mind, all of it, just a balance. Right. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I enjoyed. You know, we had spoken about or spent an episode talking about finding opportunities in ministry. And uh, I enjoyed hearing your involvement in things like nursing home ministry, nursing. ministry <laughs> all these different types of things that people may not think about doing outside of trying to get behind the pulpit and preaching right. and that kind of stuff. Maybe your church doesn't have these type of ministries running yet. I feel like it's okay to take initiative to go to your pastor to ask them about these things, because maybe yeah. they're just waiting for someone to take that initiative to, to head that up. Uh, and obviously your pastor will know where yeah. your ministry level is as far as your hands fine to do, just start doing stuff. I just right. tell anybody, Amen. You, know, you can't steer yeah. a parked car, just get, yeah. get moving. Yeah. And recently I heard something on a, another podcast. They were talking, they, they use this phrase frequently, um, you know, you go preach at a nursing home, let's say it's terrible. Nobody's going to punch you in the face, you know, or you go to the jail and you really just bomb and it's, nobody's going to punch you in the face. It's okay. You just go back and preach another sermon and it's okay. You know, and, and I will tell you, if you can preach in, in a jail or a nursing home, you can preach in church. Preaching in church is the easiest place to church or to preach as far as the you know, the, the preaching side of it, because people are nice. You can blow it and they'll be like, Oh, that was a great sermon. And, you know, but you go to jail, people aren't quite so nice or a nursing home, you know, when you know that more than, or when you see more than 50% of the people sleeping, you know, you're kind of getting boring. Um, <laughs> anything less than that. And it's probably just normal. Unless the average age is 85 to 90, yeah. then 
you can't you got to keep your your or when the old people start wheeling themselves out that's when you know you need to wrap <laughs> it up they're like she hasn't walked in 20 years it's a miracle <laughs> uh, oh yeah. that's great that is great um, <laughs> we we've had some very oh, jail services i mean just yeah. outpouring of the holy ghost liberty um you know uh, back when we had when we had that opportunity open we'd go in the jail and we literally uh particularly brother uh, felix crowder and i we literally saw hundreds get the holy ghost in jail i mean wow wow there in indianapolis um that is a good good topic um how would someone if they've never done any kind of outside of church ministry maybe even never been to any kind of service outside of ministry Let's say they wanted to go um, start preaching at the jail. Um, you know, not so much the practical side of letting them get you in, but once you get in, what? How? What do you do? Well, um, we were real fortunate at first there in Indianapolis. Uh, the chaplain was a PAW brethren uh, who was apostolic, and uh, so we had all kinds of liberty to preach. I think. I think if you could demonstrate to them. To any staff members, hey, this is in this is in this is part of our religion. Hebrews chapter six says, "Laying on of hands," and Acts nineteen, "Laying on of hands." Show them it's part of religion. We're not doing anything unsafe. They try to throw that up like, "Oh, it's a safety concern. You can't have an altar call." Oh. Um, but with the Corrections Corporation of America, there was a, a pretty good spiritual thrust there um, uh, at one time amongst some of the chaplaincy. And uh, but uh, it, when you do get the opportunity, just go in, preach the gospel, just preach to them, uh, give that altar call, lay hands on them, pray them through the Holy Ghost. We saw um, uh, one time I saw 23 women receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in a women's prison Wow! in Louisiana, wow. one service. Oh, that was in one service. Uh, mm-hmm. They had been going in doing Bible studies, and then we came in and had a service where we focused on uh, the Holy Ghost and and there's just such potential in there. And of course, Jesus said, "You visit me when you visit somewhere." Right, right, right. And, right. Uh, so there's a lot of lot of opportunities out there um, for someone to get involved and activate their gifts and anointing and altar work. Go to the children's camps, pray with those young yeah. people, uh, believe for them to get the Holy Ghost, um, and and get your faith juices flowing. You know, and get it just yeah. get your ministry operating. Your anointing will grow when you use it. Right. Amen. 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 And I think it's important that we take that seriously when we're doing it, not looking at it as, oh, man, I got to go do the jail ministry. Can you believe they're kicking me to the nursing home ministry? Man, what did I do? No. When you do it, you give it your all because what it boils down to is those are souls. Right. Those are people who need to hear about this, whether it's in a church in a nursing home, in a park, in a in a jail, and I, I'm just I'm glad I'm I'm thankful that you're talking about this because uh, I feel like it's it's important for young ministers or young people who want to get involved in ministry to hear that, yeah. to hear that that's not a, a a block but more of a stepping stone into your ministry. And it's maybe that is your ministry. Maybe jail ministry is what you're going to do. I mean, that's and that's awesome ministry. Yeah, exactly. Those are powerful ministries, man. Those are powerful ministries. And there's some 
ministers I know that they ended up, because of the time and experience they had, they ended up with, on paid position, that they were full-time ministers. That's and great. And what great, greater opportunity than for the government to pay you to be a full-time minister. Um, Absolutely. You know, yeah, we need, we need people of the truth and spirit Amen. in those Absolutely. positions. It'd be great to get our people in there because, like I had mentioned, we had an apostolic brother that was a chaplain, a chaplain in Indianapolis, had all kinds of liberty, you know, and then someone else took it over after he was gone and we had less liberty. And then finally another guy came in and kicked all Pentecostals out, mm. a new chaplain, and literally just booted any Pentecostal out of the building, out of the place. Wow. So if we, yeah, if we can get our people wow. in those positions, by all means, yeah. it'll it'll open up one. It'll do wonders. Before we uh, go, is there is there one last thing that uh, if you could give to a young minister that you know you'd like to share with them? Pray, keep a good attitude, love the people of God, look for opportunities, do whatever you can. Don't be fake, you know, and pray. And also, did I mention pray? Your, your walk with God. I like that. Is, you is started with pray. You finished with pray, and then you PS pray just to make sure nobody missed it. In case you haven't caught the pattern yet, or if you're new to the show, the show notes are going to be on BehindThePulpitPodcast.com slash 16. If you want to contact us, just head on over to BehindThePulpitPodcast.com slash contact, and you'll find all the different available methods there. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, remember, you matter to the kingdom of God. Behind the Pulpit Podcast.